Right. Um, you'll be very pleased to know that for most of this morning, you won't have to look at me. You could look at Esther instead. So we are um, we're doing this together this morning. Um, Bob and Eileen aren't here, but they kind of inspired us to do this sort of thing together. So we call this doing a Kilpatrick um, because it's uh, it just means that you know Esther's got some great things to share with us. And really, what what I'm uh, what I'm hoping to do this morning really is to um, is to kind of share with you a bit about what we're going to be doing here at Faith Life over the next 12 months, really, and. Um, to sort of uh, bring out three different things that we're going to be focusing a little bit on and kind of getting excited about and pushing a little bit harder at as well. Um, But all of that takes faith. And so um, before I kind of get stuck into that, um, Esther's going to come and share a little bit um, really about the nature of that faith that we need to have before we make plans. Yes, if we all have plans, and we can probably carry out some of those in our own way and in our own strength. But unless we're really basing those plans in faith, you know, they're, they're just going to come to nothing. They're certainly not going to push the kingdom forward. So Esther's going to be coming up very shortly uh, to share a bit around that. Um, but before we start, and just in case you thought you're going to be sitting here, you know, just listening for 45 minutes, we're going to be a bit interactive today. And I'll explain how we're going to be interactive a bit later on. Um, but before I do that, I need each of you. Um, to decide which of these fruits um, you prefer, okay, which is your favorite. And if you don't like any fruit at all, just think which you'd most or least like to eat, okay? And and I'm going to get you all to put your hands up in a second. No one's going to get out of this, okay? So the three fruits are apples, bananas, and cherries, okay? So just have a little think about that for a couple of minutes and just think which of those you'd prefer, okay? No one's going to get away without putting their hand up in a second. So if you prefer apples, put your hand up. Everyone look around them, find the other apples, memorize those apples, okay? Anyone who doesn't have their hand up is not allowed to switch to apples later on, okay? That's good. Bananas, that's a good number, that's a good number. Have a look around, check out those bananas and just make sure you've got them nailed, those who are near you, okay? And cherries, you posh lot, right? (laughs) Okay, check out all the cherries, check out all the cherries, Okay, brilliant. Okay, so just remember that later on. If you're an apple, okay, later on you are in group A. If you're a banana, later on you're in group B. And if you're a cherry, then later on you are in group C. Okay, pretty easy stuff. Not allowed to change the groups now. Okay, thankfully that was split quite evenly. I was going to use biblical characters, Adam and uh, Bathsheba and Christ, but I thought that might be a bit one-sided, I thought so. (laughs) Didn't choose that in the end. Um, brilliant. Okay, so later on, we're going to be going to that, but I'm going to invite Esther up now. I'm going to get her technology to work for her as well. All being well. Here we go. So, um, in, France, uh, in the summer, we went on our family holiday to France. And um, while we were there, Paul was talking to me about how he had to present um, to you guys about what we're doing over the next 12 months. And he said, have you, have you heard anything from God? And I was like, well, actually, I have. Oh, sorry. Um, and he asked me this question after I just had these three experiences almost on consecutive days during our holiday. And I was so full of, you know, the Holy Spirit and the excitement. And everything. I was like, yeah, I'll help you. And then this morning I came, I was like, oh, actually, I'm quite nervous. So anyway, I'm just going to um, share with you it's sort of um, my testimony of these three events. Actually, one of them was really something that happened to Noah um, that I really knew was God speaking to me. And over the course of the last um, 
few weeks, I've really held up against the word and I've looked at um, the mission of the church on the website and um, I really feel like this has brought a lot of things together and it's really blessed me and I hope it will really encourage you as well. So I'm going to crack on. So um, <clears throat> the first thing that, as I say, was something that really happened to know was each morning after we'd had our breakfast, um, we were staying in a little sheet in very rural France. <clears throat> it was very quiet. And um, to let our breakfast go down before we'd have a swim in the pool, we'd go for a walk <clears throat> around these fields. Uh, so um, we set off on this walk, and the first field was in a huge field of sunflowers. And um, we walked, <clears throat> we'd done this like a few times, and one morning we were walking down the side of this sunflower field and um, down this track, and Noah suddenly said, I've got to find something. And I didn't know what he meant, and I don't think he did either. But he cantered off, he got to the corner of the field, and before he carried on, it was a huge field, he ran past millions and millions of sunflowers, before he carried on, and he reached over this barbed wire, and he turned this sunflower up, because all their heads were facing down, and this sunflower had a face. It had eyes, and a nose, and a smiley face, and a smile. And um, I, he was like, look at this! And, um, oh, we've got a picture already. Um, and I said, oh, Noah, I think God's speaking to you. And he said, yeah! I know, he is. And I said, what's he saying to you? And he said, he's saying he'll love you. I said, yeah, he's saying he loves you. And um, so we carried on walking together and I said, oh, no, you know, God's trying to talk to us all the time. He's trying to talk to us through his word, through people, through circumstances, through visions, through spontaneous thoughts, through our dreams. And I said, we miss it so much of the time. But I said, actually, no, I had a funny dream myself a couple of nights ago and I know it was from God. So this is sort of the second episode in my kind of, I like to think of it as a fruit machine of God events. Um, so it's like my second cherry, let's call it. Um, so I told him my dream, and um, it went like this. I might read some of this because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, so I was at home, but my house was not actually my house. It was meant to be my home, but it didn't look like my house. Um, and Prince Charles came to visit me. <laughs> this was completely normal in my dream. Um, so he came in, and I asked him if he'd like anything to eat or drink. And he said, I'd just like some water, please. So um, I saw him into the lounge, and I went into my kitchen, which was not my kitchen. I turned the tap on so that it would be nice and cold, and I opened the cupboards. And I couldn't find a glass. And I'm going through these cupboards, and I can't find a glass, and I can't find a glass. And this seems to go on for a very long time. Well, um, oh, there were mugs. There were lots of mugs, but no glasses. Well, you know, I wouldn't give you a drink of water out of a mug. I'm not going to give it to Prince Charles. So... Um, Eventually, I was like, well, they must all be in the dishwasher. So I'm looking, I can't find the dishwasher. Sorry, I'm crackling. Um, and um, this carries on and carries on. Eventually, this um, aide comes in, in her black dress and her pearls and her nice shoes. And she says, you know, his royal highness really needs some refreshment. I said, I know, I know, I'm just getting his water. So I carry on. And eventually, I think, great, I found something. I start filling it up. And I realize it's a vase. I was like, I can't give the Prince of Wales a drink out of a vase. Um... So eventually, Prince Charles comes in and he says to me, I need to go now. And I say, no, you can't go yet. You've not had your water. Um, but he leaves and I wake up and that's my dream. So I said to Noah, I'd, you know, this had happened the day before, the night before. And I'd, I'd, over, you know, I'd been analysing this. And I said, so, um, you know, um, I, in fact, I don't think you've said what do you make of that. He just sort of said, oh, that's obvious. I said, is it? He's like, yeah, it's easy. I said, go on then. And this, you know, this is such a lesson in how to enter into the kingdom, you have to become like a little child. Because I had overanalyzed every aspect of this dream. And here's what he said. Royalty came to your house 
that's God. And he's walking along, you know, royalty came to your house, that's God. He only asked you for one thing, and that was water. That's your love. This is Noah, nine years. That's your love, your worship, you. Very matter-of-fact, all this coming out. You had lots of water, but you were so worried about what you were going to give it to him in that you didn't give him anything at all. He didn't care about the container. He cared about the water. So I said to him, yeah, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So... (laughs) So I said, so Noah, am I, am I doing something wrong? Am I not giving him my worship? He's like, no, that's the thing you're doing wrong. You're worrying. <laughs> it's like it was, it was a dream to say, don't worry. And he's, this is the bit I've got involved. He's saying, stop worrying, let go. Okay, can we remember that one? Right. Now, stay with me. So the third thing that happened was um, I was reading a secular book by the pool uh, the next day. So this is sort of like the next day. Um, called um, uh, Where My Heart Used to Beat, Sebastian Falk's novel. And um, this book's it's a bit dark. I wouldn't read it if I were you. But it's about this wartime psychiatrist looking for answers to help very, very ill, mentally ill people, some who've been traumatised in the war, um, some who had mental health issues for other reasons. They don't call it mental health issues in the book. They call it madness because this is a book you know, it's meant to be set um, you know, a long time ago. So um, I'm going to read you this passage. Um, I'm going to try and read it quite slowly because if I read too fast. So this is, what it, this is what the narrator says. I was left merely to ponder the strange status we humans had conferred on the idea of love. It was the only emotion we granted the power to change lives. Ding, ding. No other feeling, if by feeling um, we meant the release of unruly chemicals in the brain was allowed to sit in judgment beside our reason and our intellect. No sane person would make a life-altering decision based on on the basis of envy, rage, or despair, but we were happy to let the biggest choices of our lives be determined by the emotion of love. So I thought, why is this jumping? It's jumping out at me in the same way something from the Bible would jump out at me. Why is this? Because this guy has got it completely wrong. Um... And, he, you know, he's talking about romantic love, but it, just, it was just such a force about it. And I thought, well, um, you know, what do I know about, you know, what is love? And I said, well, God is love. You know, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. So I was thinking, this guy's completely missed the point. And I started to think about God's kind of love and how it just doesn't make sense to outsiders, to unbelievers. Um, and I started thinking, yeah, kind of, it looks mad. It looks a bit reckless. You know, um, it looks what we'd call abandoned. Other people sort of think it's crazy. Um, God's love's not earned. It's a free gift. It's there for everyone. Um, you know, how does someone who's done terrible things get to be loved by God? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to people. I was sort of thinking, you know, actually, even for us as Christians, some of this is actually kind of hard to get our minds around that, you know, why God even created the world and, you know, knowing what would what would happen in the course, but, you know, it was out of his great love, and I've got lots of scriptures here, but I'm very aware that Paul doesn't want me to go on too long, but um, I'm, if we can just turn to Ephesians 2, um, verse 4, just going to start talking about God's love, this is great, isn't it, Um, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, 
Um, by grace you've been saved and raised, up, um, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And I love the Amplified verse 4 says, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. Um, and I started thinking about um, how does all this fit together? So... We've got a sunflower face, we've got a dream about the Prince of Wales, and we've got a passage from a secular book that's completely missing the point about what love really is. So, um, as I say, you know, I spent some time just reading the word and thinking about um, the mission of you know, faith life, reading again and again this, you know, this idea of um, uh, sort of... <sighs> the root, the, basically how we need to know we are loved by God before we can start anything. So, can we have the first page of my diagram, because that will really help me. Um, there we go, right, securing the knowledge of God's love. Right, let's just turn to Ephesians 3:17, which is really pivotal to us as faith life. Um, um, I'll start from, start from the beginning. Um, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So, what I think is really interesting about this, this is sort of where we start. This is where we need to start. We need to know that we are loved by God. And what is really interesting is this is the thing that Satan will come and steal with us, steal, try and steal from us first. This, this revelation is something we have to constantly renew our minds to because in this revelation, being secure in the knowledge of God is where our power, you know, is where the power of God lies. We have to start from this place. Yeah. And what was really interesting was when we went, we didn't have a camera with us when we saw this sunflower the first time, so we went back the next day, and um, as for, after we took this picture, Noah looked a bit downcast, and I said, what's the matter? He said, I suddenly realised a person could have done this. They could have plucked out the... I said, Noah, you ran past about a million sunflowers. You went looking for something. You didn't even know what you went looking for. You could have kept running. You, there was one sunflower, and you picked it out the first. You know, that was God. And even if a person did do that, you know, it's still God speaking to you. Don't let... Don't let Satan rob it. So that is the first thing. It's like we have got to know it and we've got to keep knowing it and keep knowing it and keep knowing it and Satan will come and steal it. But we can't do anything until we know that. Right, next, the dream. So it's lovely. It's lovely to stay in that place where we are securing God's love. But God does require a response from us. He does ask of us. He does want something from us. He wants us. He wants our love. He wants our hearts. He wants, he wants a passionate response. And he wants us to take actions. We, can't, we are told we can't live on baby milk forever. We do have to start eating meat. And he asks us to do things. So um, this is where... So if we can have the next picture. So we're secure in his love. But then he does ask us to do things. And then we have to be prepared to step out. Yeah. And you know when God asks you to step out... They might not get it, but as long as you've had a word from God and you know that he loves you and you can step into the next place, which is what we call trust, faith, 
you're going to be okay. You know, I was thinking about biblical examples. You know, he asked Noah to build an ark in the middle of the desert, and people thought he was mad. He asked Abraham to be prepared to sacrifice his son. It was, it was crazy. He asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, which is apparently such a terrible place to go to that he'd rather throw himself into the sea and get swallowed by a massive fish. He asked Daniel. Daniel responded to the love of God and refused to bow down to anyone else up to the point of death. I'm sure people thought he was mad. Um, Mary, Mary, she could have been stoned for what she, she chose to do for God. Um, um, so, you know, this is, these are biblical examples, but this is what God's asking us to do. You know, I think a lot of people would have thought Mark and Cheryl, myself included sometimes, they um, think Mark and Cheryl are a bit mad, you know, having given up a partnership in a accountancy firm to run a church rather than, you know, doing some of the other things they could be doing. And I think that's kind of mad love, but it's God's kind of love, isn't it? Um, so the best bit of this... Oh, can I have my diagram back, please? The best bit of this, I think, is that when we do this, we, we're securing God's love, we respond, we step out, and because we've stepped out, our faith takes hold of what God's already promised us. And on that way back up, we get a testimony. And when we get back up to the top, we have an even greater knowledge of how much God loves us. And you know you can start at any point in this diagram. I do think we do need to know that we are you know, totally loved by God and it's something that we have to constantly renew our minds to. But Nicola gave a really lovely testimony a couple of weeks ago about... When you end up in a different place, you've been waiting for something for a long time and you've been trusting and having faith. But if you go back to responding and declaring, you know, you can kind of give yourself a run-up, gain momentum and get past... And this circle can carries on and carries on until we get to that place that God wants us of becoming more and more confident in him, um, more and more secure in the knowledge of him and seeing more and more of his power work you know in our lives and around us so i hope that's encouraged you um i'm going to let paul talk more about what we're going to step out into but thank you awesome right so why did i ask esther to come and share that uh, it's simple really everything that we are planning to do as a church and as individuals we need to do in faith and we need to commit it to God. Otherwise, we're just another you know, community organization just doing stuff. We're not here just to change the community. We're here as individuals and as a church to go out and change the world. That needs faith. I can't do it by myself. Mark can't do it by himself. None of us can do it by ourselves. But if we're transformed by the faith and by the, the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we can go out and do that. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Who wants to be successful as a church? About 10 of us. <laughs> Just need 10, that's fine. We can, um, we can do that. So that's why later on we're going to be, after I talk through the different things we're going to be focusing on over the next 12 months, we're all going to um, pray about different areas, okay? And I, I really want you to sort of put this on your heart over the next few weeks and to pray into each, each of these areas and just to, to commit our plans to the Lord, okay? We want these to succeed, okay? So whilst today I'm going to be talking about three specific areas we're going to be focusing on, um, I don't want anyone to think they're the only areas as a church we, we, we care about or anything like that. We do so many things as a church. It never ceases to amaze me just how many fantastic things individuals 
here in this room today do, week in, week out, and how they strive for excellence in all of those things. I mean, an example I'm going to pick out and pick on, I can't see her right now, but Heather is around, so she's up there. Um, we heard last week about the I Am project, which she leads. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you, everyone. Give it a bit of a... <laughs> Just fantastic initiative done in faith and done you know, committed to the Lord, and, and it's just going to go great places. It's fantastic stuff we're doing. So none of that is in any way second place to the things I'm going to talk about today, okay? It's just these are three things that we felt as a leadership team and as trustees that we think we just need to push a bit forward, a bit, a bit further in for the next, uh, next 12 months, okay? But we definitely, as a church, strive for excellence in everything that we do. You know, that's a biblical principle. Philippians 4, chapter 8 says, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Okay, we want to be excellent in everything that we do. These are just the three areas that for the next 12 months, we think we're just going to push a little bit harder into. So what are those areas? Well, let's get the first uh, slide up. What does this represent? Worship. Worship. Great worship this morning, guys. Thank you very much indeed. Um, you know, we are incredibly fortunate in this church to have a whole bunch of seriously good, seriously anointed worship leaders. And I have no idea how... Each week, they come here with goodness knows what their week has entailed, goodness knows what their morning has entailed, and they come here, and I might turn up grumpy, you know, Sunday morning, got up a bit early, children have woken me up a bit early, that sort of thing, and yet within seconds of them starting to lead worship, each of us is brought into a greater awareness of the presence of God. That's an amazing anointed skill these guys have. It's just phenomenal, and I just thank all of you um, for that. So why is worship important to us? Well, number one, it's a natural response to God's love. It's just what we're you know, born to do. Um, Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It's just what we do, naturally, is a response to the incredible love that God has for us. And worship creates the atmosphere for miracles to occur. Now, that's not actually in the Bible. It's a Bruce Parham lyric, I think, something like that. But the whole principle runs through the Bible and the Old Testament. Who likes miracles? Yeah? We have a few of them? Okay. Well, let's create that atmosphere for them to occur. This is a very biblical principle. Joshua, when, um, when he took Jericho, just played trumpets, shouted, worshipped. Awesome. How about that? Wouldn't it be great if Joe, you know, walked through town with her clarinet and behind her, you know, just carnage? of miracles and people getting healed and set free and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's what we want, isn't it? What about uh, Jehoshaphat? In fact, let's open our Bibles. 2 Chronicles 20. I marked it, so I've got it here. I'm just gonna, I'll, while you're finding it, I'll bring you up to speed on, on, on what on earth's going on with uh, Jehoshaphat. So um, Jehoshaphat and his... Um, you know, the rest of Judah have just been told by the Moabites um, that they're going to be crushed, that they are going to be absolutely destroyed and just, just trounced in battle. Um, I'd be quite upset by that, but Jehoshaphat gathers all of the people of Judah together and, um, and he prays with them. And instead of praying, oh God, what are we going to do? Lord, please, can you protect us or something? We're weak. And what he does is he just reminds everyone about how awesome their God is. And he just, just reminds them, he praises with them. He doesn't let them get all grumpy and that sort of thing. He just focuses on how good God is. And then they get a word that um, 
they'll end up defeating all their enemies without even having to you know, lift a finger in, in terms of a physical fight or anything like that. If we go to um, verse 18, and chapter 20. I can't read my mind. <laughs> and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And then the Levites of the children of the Gehathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and your inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he anointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. In that battle, worship played a key role. And if Jehoshaphat hadn't committed to worshipping God, despite the fact he's just been told him and his armies are going to be absolutely nailed the following day, then he wouldn't have won. But he believed God, he worshipped God, and that created the atmosphere for that miracle to occur. So we are a church that wants miracles, right? Okay, so this is an area that we really want to push into, okay? I think that you know, we already have some seriously anointed worship leaders in this church, but we just need to support them better and all these sorts of things. So what are we doing about it? Well, it's quite, quite nice you're leading worship this morning, Michael. So anyone who, uh, who, whose first time it was today, Michael has just joined us with, uh, with his wife, Flick, as worship pastor. Very, very excited that you're here. Um, and Michael's going to be helping to build the worship team to, to try out new things, maybe go on the streets with worship and that sort of thing. Um, and also some of the sort of technical stuff, which you know, sometimes distracts us. You know, I feel sorry for the worship team sometimes because I'm not much of a singer. I'm more of a belter. So I just kind of belt things out. And if it's a song I like, then I really go for it and belt it out. And whoever's singing here has to hear me. I feel quite sorry for them. And this is a really difficult room to get the sound right in. It's kind of all got funny nooks and crannies and that sort of thing. So we're just going to be focusing on making sure that our eyes are totally fixed on Jesus. And all these technical things kind of taken care of and simplified and all these sorts of things. So that's one area we're going to be focusing on over the next 12 months, worship. So number two. Children and families. I think, I'm, well, I'm always amazed at just how strong a lot of our children are here in the church and how well they know the Lord and how well they know the word. And, you know, particularly Peter and Jackie and Joe, you know, week in, week out, they are pumping the word into those kids and creating some, some truly amazing testimonies amongst them. I mean, we just heard about Noah there, but, you know, that's one family. So many families have been impacted by the, the, the really faithful teaching and the really faithful children's work that, that goes on here. But rather inevitably, for a church of our size, you know, so much seems to fall on so few, you know. Joe and Peter and Jackie in particular and all the other children's leaders, you know, week in, week out, they're having to give up hearing Mark. Who would want to have to do that? But they have to. <laughs> to go and... <laughs> best point yet, thank you. Um... To, to go and, you know, teach the children. And we see some wonderful fruit from that. But, you know, it, it's important that we support them. We don't allow them to burn out or anything, uh, anything like that. And so over the uh, next 12 months, um, we are hoping to recruit a uh, children and young families pastor to really support that team, to help take 
uh, what we do with the children out from these four walls on a Sunday morning and out into the community and really try and push in that area. You know, we believe that if we have a church that has got a strong um, core of families, that, you know, that creates a stronger church. It creates a more reliable church. It means there's more people to help out and all these sorts of things. So that's another area that we're looking to, um, to invest in and to, uh, to, to push into over the next uh, 12 months. Area number three. Media. I don't really know what any of those logos mean. <laughs> as, uh, as those of you who are here a few weeks ago know, I'm not really much of a social media sort of uh, person. I'm kind of, I've got the hang of text messages now and WhatsApp, and most of my text messages go to the right person. Some of them don't, do they, Nicola? <laughs> There's a story there which I'm not going to share, certainly not on tape. Um, <laughs> um, you know, here at Faith Life, and, and just say something if you agree with this, you know, God has entrusted us with an incredibly powerful message that is radical, has the power to change lives, and which really tragically you don't hear everywhere, even though it's all in here. You know, each one of us has one of these, each one of us has access to this message, but really tragically we don't hear it everywhere, okay? And we believe we have a real understanding, a real um, um, a real mission to uh, spread the word of faith and grace. Or do we say grace? Do we ever decide on whether we're going to say grace and faith or faith and grace? It's either gaffs or fags. Either isn't particularly, particularly good. But um, So that, that's an amazing thing. If you've been here, coming here for a while, hopefully you've received the incredible message that we, we've had this year, particularly Mark preaching through Romans. has been some fantastic stuff. But you know what? That message needs to get out from here. You know, it's all very well, you know, 150 people or whatever coming here each week and hearing that message, but that's not enough, okay? We need to get this message out from, uh, from, these, from these walls. Hosea 4, chapter 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, a couple of months ago, um, I went to what was easily the most difficult funeral I've ever had to be, uh, go to. So a friend of mine had um, twin girls, and um, very sadly... Um, both of them were, were quite ill, but the eldest um, passed away after five weeks. Real, real tragedy. You know, just, just heartbroken family, asking questions, everything like that. So I went to the, the funeral, and it was a, a Greek Orthodox funeral, and, and most of the funeral was incredibly biblically based. The focus was on God. You know, this girl, she, she's in heaven with Jesus. You know, she couldn't be in a better place right now, but the family, heartbroken. You know, lost a girl, lost her eldest girl, this... Uh, daughter's going to have to grow up knowing that, that her sister never made it. Um, and um, towards the end of the funeral, the priest um, stood up and he said, you know, at times like this, um, it's easy and it's natural to, to ask why. Yeah, damn right, of course it is. And then he said, and he said this, you know, with absolute silence in the, in, in the room and people hanging on his every word. He said, we just need to trust that this was God's plan and God knows best. And it broke my heart to hear that. And I, I didn't do this, but I just wanted to follow him out to the car park and knock seven bells out of him, you know, because, because he was giving a message that was so inconsistent with God's love and God's plan. And crucially, the power that all of us have with the Holy Spirit inside us. You know, he was creating a culture of powerless Christianity, 
where we're just on the whim, where we have no power in the world to change the world. Yeah, the guys over there from YWAM, you're here to change the world, right? Yeah, okay. And all of us have that fire in us, okay? But if we just accept, you know, that if we accept things which aren't true, if we accept, you know, that, that we have no power, then we're never going to go and do that. So this word that we have, this word that Mark has received, has to spread further from here, okay? And that's why our investment and our push into more and more different versions of media and, 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 and blogs and, and websites and videos and all these sorts of things, it's not just the church vanity project. It's something which, which is here to help us get this message out. If we're just preaching to the same 150 people each week, then it's just 150 people who are changed. If we push to get it outside of this building, it's a lot more people who are going to be impacted by this. And like it or not, this is the way. You know, Digital media, videos, these sorts of things. You know, in, um, in advertising, it's a well-known fact that if you, um, if you show a video of your, or if someone sees a video of your product, you're 64% more likely to sell that product to somebody than if they just read the same information from a piece of paper. That's the impact that these things have on people. Like it or not, I don't know why it is, but it works. And we have to be savvy with the way that we try and get the message out there. Back in the summer, Mark, um, Mark quoted from the parable of the unjust steward, Luke chapter 16, verse 8. It says, So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. You know, we need to be savvy about the techniques and things that we use to get our message out there. We don't need to be cynical. We don't need to be, you know, sort of deceptive in some way. But the message needs to be out there because people are searching for answers and we need our answers to be there and searchable, right? Yeah? So this is going to be a big area we're pushing into. I think, actually, we've made tremendous um, inroads on this in the last, the last few months. And, and Jules and, and Jess have uh, been hugely um, impactful on that. And I thank you for that, guys. And um, you'll see a lot more... Uh, from this over the uh, next few months as well. So, what does this all mean? Well, we're confident as trustees and as a leadership team that these are three really important things for our church that we want to be pushing into, okay? Um, but it still takes faith to do it, okay? Um, and it takes faith because um, some of these things we've not done before. It also takes faith because some of these things cost more money. You know, but we have never doubted God's ability and his willingness to provide. Um, if you just go on to the next. Do you remember about 12 months ago when we were still on the, uh, in the Perth Sick Form Center and we were contemplating moving into this building? Um, I stood up in front of you all and I said, yeah, look, guys, we want to we move buildings. We want to do some things we haven't done before. Um, but our income at the time was something like £8,500 a month, to move into the new building and do all the things we wanted to do, that needed to go up to just over £10,000 a month. And we thought, we're going to do it because we know that God, you know, that God wants us to do these things. And we just, in faith, went ahead and did it. Well, God over-provided for that because um, our income now is uh, just over that amount that we needed. So he provided. We knew he would, and that's what he did. And I just wanted to share that because we don't often feed back on how these things work. But, you know, we trusted him. And he provided, because he is a good God, and he wants us to, uh, to, to prevail. Well, all of these things that we're looking at doing um, ultimately um, require us to, to get about a 15% increase in the income that we have each month. So we're going from about £10,500 um, to about 12 If you go to the next slide, Jules, um, to about £12,000 a month. 
But that doesn't phase any of us because we know that God has provided before and we know that he'll continue to provide now. And we're just telling you so that you know, okay? Because you're all part of this. You're all on this journey together and we all need your faith in this. We all need you praying into it, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, verse 8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, it's, it's easy. I genuinely say it is easy for me to stand up here and just know God wants us to do these things and he's going to provide all that for us. And that's fantastic. We should, we should just praise him for that. So what um, I would like each of us to do uh, very shortly, you had your groups earlier. No one's changing their groups. Photographic memory. I know exactly which group all of you are uh, in. If we could just go forward a, a couple of slides would be awesome. Um, fantastic. Right. So if you're in group A, what we're going to do very shortly is um, all sort of break up and just find some of the other people who were A's around you. Okay, so threes, fours, fives, something like that. We don't want to have too much of a mob. Um, and you're going to be praying into worship. Okay, and I want you to commit to God our plans for worship. Okay, I want you to listen to him. I just want you to make some declarations over worship in our church. Okay, um, and... Um, and if you hear from God, any of these things, I don't know if you've got any words or anything like that, I'd like you to come and share them, either with Esther and me or with Mark and Cheryl, okay? Um, group B, you're going to be praying into children and families, okay? Um, so, um, pray for them. Groups, sorry? Fruits. Bananas. B, group B, bananas. Fruit bananas, okay. Yeah, children and families. And if you're in group C, which was cherries, um, you're going to be praying into media, okay? So this is getting interactive. We're going to close very shortly, but um, what I'd like you all to do is just get into this and make some declarations over each of these areas. And I think Mark wants to say a few things as well. Yeah, I just wanted to make a couple of things. Because when you talk about numbers, you can get fixated on numbers. The measure of success for us as believers is how we change and how many lives we change. So we, we will measure whether we've fulfilled what God asked us to do by numbers of changed lives, not numbers on seats. You know, we, I, I, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and the kingdom isn't about building a bigger church. The kingdom is about building bigger people. And, and, and for people to grow and impact other people. That's why we make this investment. We don't make this investment because we're trying to grow faith life. We make this investment because we believe God wants us to change lives and for our lives to be changed. And, and that, that's, that's how we as trustees look at this. That we, what we're trying to do is how much can we help people become more like Christ and become who they are in Christ? And how much can we enable people to follow the passions that God's put on their heart? How can we release people and help them and encourage them and build them up in those passions? And, and so that, that's our starting point. And sometimes when, because I hear clearly that in what Paul said, but sometimes we can filter that through stuff that is preconceived ideas about what we're talking about. But what we're talking about is letting Christ change lives and, and seeing the gifts in people's lives and encouraging them and releasing them. And, and we believe these areas will enable us to get not just uh, to impact you guys and to help you guys step into all God has for you, 
but to reach more and more people who aren't in this church, maybe don't even live in Cambridge, but need to know some of the things that we hear week in, week out. Uh, you know, just to, we've, I think there's been seven blog posts so far. So that, that setting up that blog is a complete new website. We've invested in that. But those seven blog posts, just, uh, you know, you need to know that there's people responding to that and reading that in Brazil, in Iran, in Iraq. Because you, you can put, we've got software behind it. It tells us where people are listening to. There's people listening in Norway. There's people listening in Japan. There's people listening in Australia. There's multiple people listening in Israel. You know, they can't be here on a Sunday morning, but by making that investment, what God's deposited here can go beyond just us. So it's about releasing that to others.